This podcast is brought to you by Mapper Forward's new Patreon community, the Global Coffee Think Tank. Check the show notes or head to patreon.com forward slash Mapper Forward to find out how you can become a member today. Welcome back to the Daily Coffee Pro by Map It Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and we are back for episode two of our five-part series with the fabulous Judy Gaines. Welcome back, Judy. Thank you. We are in this episode carrying on from our th- in our theme of the future outlook of coffee pricing and supply, and we're going to pick up where we left off in the last episode where we were talking about pricing and the benchmarks that futures markets have allowed well, the discovery that they allowed for pricing uh, in in coffee markets. And what we're exploring in this episode is what are the greatest forces that impact coffee supply and pricing? So when it comes to pricing and the C market um, helps determine and explore what the, what the market is willing to pay for coffee, um, what role, how does that happen and what role does it play in the real world? separate from the the market? Okay. So you have the physical market, the cash market, the spot market. It's all the same thing. Where people are actually buying and selling their coffee. And when you have those contracts, remember that they're not paying for it that day, going to a market and picking up that coffee and taking it in their car or their truck and bring it to their roasting facility. They're negotiating with a secondary party and they're creating a contract that has very specific terms and for delivery at a future date. And that's called a forward contract. Mm -hmm. And there's counterparty risk to that. What if someone defaults? What if someone doesn't give you the coffee that you specified. You know who the other party is mm-hmm. and you have to be able to trust that person. Mm-hmm. And in the coffee market, there's generally a fair degree of trust, but it's still um, not a standardized contract. The futures market is a standardized contract and it doesn't matter who is on the other side of the purchase or the sale. For every buyer, there's a seller. And the role of the exchange and what's called the clearinghouse helps to assure the integrity of those contracts. So when you have a contract that's made a forward contract, then you use the futures market to manage that risk by hedging. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you take, if you're a buyer of coffee, then you take the opposite position in the futures market. So if you're a buyer of coffee, you're afraid of the market price going up by the time you actually take delivery. And you hope that prices come down. What happens in the futures market is if you have to buy in the future, well, you buy the futures contract today. And if the market price goes up in the futures contract, it offsets the higher price that you have to pay in the cash market. Now, if the cash market came down, then the futures market would come down in tandem and you would lose in the futures market, but it would be offset in the gains in 
the cash market. And therefore, you're still locking in today's price. That's the basics of hedging. You're, mm-hmm. you're locking in the price, so you don't need to worry about fluctuations in the future. And you can manage your business without having that exposure. How does that work? Uh, not the technical part of it, but in the real world, does that usually work in the favor of producers? Well, the problem is that there's a lot of small producers who don't have the access, access. to the market. And oh, yeah. maybe their production is too small relative to the contract size. Yeah. And therefore, you have exporters, importers, you know, the large commercial trade, and mm-hmm. roasters of medium size, because there's some small roasters who don't. Um, and maybe they buy their coffee and they sell them immediately and they have back-to-back transactions. They don't feel they have the price risk and therefore they're not hedging because they don't feel they have that exposure or they feel comfortable enough that if there's a change in price, they could pass that on to consumers. Mm. That's another possibility. And so therefore producers have the, the hardest time because most of them aren't taking advantage of the market because they don't have the education from understanding the tools that are available or access to it or the financial wherewithal to participate. And so what they can do is if there's a level of sophistication when they're buying through a cooperative is maybe to negotiate that some of that some portion is hedged or have something in their contracts but the majority aren't and therefore they have that exposure Mm -hmm. so what they do is they try and hold back and usually it works against them because something will happen to the market or they're only selling as they need the cash right and and that's not really game plan you can't you have to look at a farm as any other business and and many right. just don't and and that's the reality of it they're utilizing what it sounds like is they're utilizing only one of the tools available to them rather than understanding the smorgasbord of tools that are available to them and using those well it's that's right? well yeah part of it is the ability to do so they don't have the the capital yep. to participate. Or the technology a lot of the time. Right. Understanding the technology mm-hmm. uh, is is difficult. I can't tell you the number of producers that say to me, Lee, this is the first time I might be able to hedge against my crop. I don't have any idea how to do it. And I think, well, right. that's a really interesting conundrum to be in because they have extra cash because they had a great year last year they're concerned about the times that are coming up they want they've heard of this thing on the map it forward podcast from this incredible lady judy Gaines, and they're like well how do i do it what do i do well, that's and what you're the- supposed to send them to me after right and, and, and i teach my courses on risk management <laughs> so. and and that's the you know it's even the time it, right. and and that's that they want 
like all of us, it's like, can I just go to somebody that I can trust, uh, a broker of sorts, and can I? And well. it's a bigger, deep web of of problems, right? It's when we say access, it's not just about uh, how do I do it. It's about access to someone you can trust, access to the technology, access to the knowledge. It's there, but there's a reason it takes people you know, decades to understand it. Correct. And and we just touched upon futures. And I would say for most producers, they probably should be looking at options anyway, because options on futures, um, which is a derivative of the futures contract. So something that's priced off of something else provide more flexibility mm. because they're not necessarily locking in today's price, but giving them the ability to participate on the upside should the market rally. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that most people thought when they, they heard you say that, that that's a whole other language. That's my point. Yep, this is, it is. It, it's it a whole other is. language. It's, right. it's English. It's the words are English. But uh, I happened to have the good fortune of watching you on Bloomberg because uh, I watch Bloomberg just so I can try and learn the language. And you were great on Bloomberg, I have to say. The, the thing was you spoke in a language that most people don't speak on in Bloomberg. You spoke in really easy to understand terms uh, while using some of their language. I just thought if do they keep it complicated so that normal people like me don't understand it or what? No, because if you talk to doctors or to, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's no That's, different. It's the same I mean, thing. You become so accustomed to talking about certain things that you forget that it's not language, language. Yeah. which let's go back to, to the track we're on and talking about the cash market and yeah. the futures market. Okay. Because there's another component to it and that is what's called the basis. And the basis is, the difference between the cash price less the futures price. And in coffee, in every other market, it's called the basis, except for in coffee, it's called the differential. I'm so glad you got here. That was going to be my next question is <laughs> what's the role of the differential in it? Okay. So the differential is a quality or location, a supply difference where the buyer is willing to pay a premium or have a discount relative to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Now there are certain coffees that are exceptional and therefore they're always going to have a very firm differential. Mm -hmm. There are some coffees where maybe because of supply tightness, that differential, the plus over the New York Sea contract so it's the cash price is greater than the futures price when the differential is positive. And let's go back 22 years when the coffee market had reached historically low levels, when the market was super, super depressed. Something happened. And that was many producers decided that instead of focusing on quantity, they're going to focus on the quality of their coffee. Mm -hmm. And it dovetailed with 
the growth in the specialty coffee industry mm. on a global basis. And something else happened. And that was you wound up having these certification programs, be it Fair Trade or Oot, Rainforest Alliance, where roasters said, you know what, we recognize that growers aren't making enough money. The futures market is a true indicator of where the price should be. The, the futures market reflects every possible fundamental, whereas the differential for Colombian coffee would represent what's happening in, in Colombia and by particular type of coffee. And the same for Costa Rica or Honduras. And so you have these disparities sometimes. And when there's periods of tightness, then the differential tends to increase. And when the quality is better than that standardized base grade of the futures contract, then the differential will be positive as well. And so all these factors go into determining the willingness of buyers to pay a higher price. Now, maybe growers will say, I'm not selling my coffee at this lower price. I'm demanding a higher differential. And it's up to the buyer to say, I'm going to pay for it or not. It always comes down to the buyer's willingness to buy it. Just the same way as if you're in a grocery store and grapes were exceedingly expensive, well, you have a choice. Are you going to pay that price or are you going to go buy a banana? Right. And okay. that, those kinds of differential, those decisions, that's not a part of the futures market. That happens on the ground, right? That happens. That, that happens on the ground. That's part of the cash market. But it's all connected, and this is what I'm leading up to. When you have positive differentials, first off, let me just say that many times when people are looking at the New York Sea contract and they say, oh, the price is too low, but they're not including the differential. Mm -hmm. And so people say, oh, it's been, you know, the market didn't reach $3 and it should have gone higher, but where producers are seeing that, that positive side is look at the futures market plus differentials. Right. And we're higher than we were a decade ago. How much higher? Marginally higher. Okay. 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 So that that's the, the first side is <laughs> that when people are talking about the market and, oh, the price hasn't come up. They're forgetting that there's much stronger differentials. At the end of the day, the farmer's income is the cash market price plus that differential. Quick question on that. We go back to access. Are producers, if they don't have access to this world that is the futures market, um, and of all the producers that I've asked, how much does it cost you to produce a pound of coffee? The majority of them say I would be guessing. Actually, 100% of them say that they would be guessing, uh, which concerns me as a business consultant. It really concerns mm -hmm. me. How do we know that the producer understands 
Well, let me say that a different way. How do we know that the producer is actually getting paid a fair price? You know, a fair price is an interesting thing because it's subjective. And yeah, I mean, this is, it's a tough one to swallow because everybody wants producers to have better than a decent wage and have the, you know, that quality of life and be able to give their kids whatever they need and have food on the table and be able to expand their production and, and have that, the truck and not have to worry and have whatever else that, you know, they desire in life. Okay. Mm -hmm. They work hard. They deserve that. The thing is like in any other business, the price can't always be profitable for everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. There are times where businesses lose money. And that's because there's just oversupply or there's problems or a business might not be as efficient as they need to be. And therefore, the price at some point, when you have prices well above the cost of production or even moderately above the cost of production for an extended period of time, and you're signaling to growers, expand, expand, expand. Yeah. Everybody you're does it at the same with, time. You're going to wind up with oversupply two years and the market will have to come down. It's a pendulum. Yep. And as much as it swings one way, unfortunately, there's no paradigm shift here. The market at some point will be down. We're going to be talking about, oh, this poor depressed market. Right. Right. And and you have to- And it's to, not broken. It's it's. It's like a living, thriving organism that reacts to everything that's around it. That's become Correct. my understanding. You live in Panama and Panama, the specialty coffee industry in Panama has found a way to sort of make itself loosely independent from the sea price with the, the auctions that, that they have on Best of Panama. Is that something that other countries could be doing to unhook themselves from the C market base price? Okay, so you have a lot of specialty coffee that sells at very high premiums. Yeah. You have the cup of excellence. Yeah. And many of those coffees sell far, far above the futures price. Remember, the futures price is based on a standard that relative to most of the specialty coffee today, you know, it's like triage coffee. Yep. It's not, not, it's not the highest it's not, quality yeah. coffee. Right? It's okay. the, the just okay. coffee coffee. That's correct. It's, <laughs> you know, the commercial coffee in the can. Yeah. And for some, for the majority of coffee drinkers in the world, that's acceptable. Most so, of them. Right. Okay. So the thing is, or it's masked with so much sugar and milk and flavorings and everything else. They don't, they don't understand. Care. Yeah. They don't care. And they don't have the discerning palate that you have. So from that perspective, there's a lot of coffee that's sold at much higher prices than the sea. But Panama is a unique situation because Panama has only, what, 60,000 bags mm. compared to Brazil that is 60 million and one point, you know, almost 70 million bags. So you can't, when you have 
huge production, you're not going to be able to get $1,300 a pound for your coffee. I mean, it's the same way as, you know, any car and, you know, just because the Panamanians treat their coffee like Kobe beef and, you know, they rub the trees and, and, you know. And And whisper sweet nothings to them. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's It's apples and oranges. I live in, you know, I mean, it's incredible what they've developed. And part is that, and people have tried to replicate the geisha coffee, but it's not the same because Panama just happens to have incredible soil conditions. And in the heart of the coffee area in Bukete, you're just blessed. It's volcanic soil, isn't it? I mean, you you can't, you know, it's just south of Costa Rica. And Costa Rica also has tremendous coffees. Yeah. Um, So it's unique. And then also there's a lot of marketing cachet around it also. I mean, the same way as people pay a lot for whether Kobe Luwak. I mean, it's... So <laughs> that that's just some cruelty right there uh, from, from my perspective. Um, in the next episode, we're going to head into the next episode. I, I would really like us to explore more uh, the downward pressure that, well, perhaps downward and upward pressure that's being placed on the supply and pricing of coffee because Uh, In a recent post that you made on LinkedIn, you were talking about how dangerously low the supply of coffee is in Brazil right now in their reserves. And I I suspect that a lot of people are unaware that that's actually a situation that could impact things. Am I right? It is, but I think we should actually, there's a couple of nuances regarding the cash market and futures that I think we should wrap up first. Yeah. And, and go and ahead that in the next segment. Okay, great. Or as, as part of the next segment and Perfect. then continue on from there, because I think it's really important to understand some of the, the drivers for the futures market. And there's something that's happening now that only happens once in a blue moon. And so we should talk about it. Perfect. Can't wait. Peace of and peanut butter, everybody. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, folks. The best way that you can support this podcast is to join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash map it forward. There you can become a part of our community, the Global Coffee Think Tank, for as little as $3 a month. That's a total of $36 a year. We have a lot of big ideas for this community, so I really hope that you'll join in. This podcast is produced by Map It Forward and the song you're currently listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight, which is produced by Evolutionary Theory. You can check the show notes for links. For more content from Map It Forward, consider joining our mailing list at mapitforward.org forward slash mailing list.